Welcome to Journey Under 30, a roadmap drawn in discovery. I'm Colin Parker. And I'm Alex Taylor. And this is our podcast all about us doing what we can do to be named in a future Forbes 30 Under 30. Alex, how the hell are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well. I've been a little busy. I've been doing a lot of wedding gigs and teaching and just having no time. How about you, sir? Uh, well, I actually had a fall break here at uh, college, which was nice. Um, Are May you okay? came down. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm doing fine. Um, but you, you, um, you fell. It, it was. It just keep yeah, going. I know, and I broke something. <laughs> I just said I had a fall break, but uh, Meg came down and took care of me, so we're good. No, um, okay. so I had a, I had about a four day weekend, which I turned nice. into a five day weekend, really, because Friday I have literally nothing on that day. Yeah. So you know, Meg was down here for that whole time. Cool. Um, we got to do a lot of really cool stuff. Um, got to see a lot of cool things. Ate like like I ate like a king during that time. Um, so that was nice. And now I'm back to being. A uh, very poor peasant. Well, really, I mean, honestly, I wasn't Hover. even then, but like, I had some borrowed money and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah. Well, as, as, as long as you're living like a king, then technically you are a king, right? Absolutely. I've I mean, got that's a pretty much everything. our shtick here. Like, we're assuming we're already on the Forbes 30 under 30 list, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, like, that's like we said last week, last week yeah. I was just like, I'm already there, baby. Put me on the list. Um, yeah. so that's how we're feeling. <laughs> um, I'm already on top of the world. Let's keep it moving. Um, Here's so, a song um, about that. Yeah, absolutely there is. Um, what were you working on though this week? So this week, and actually I guess this past week too, I've been mainly working on building up my wedding rep. Okay. So, so right now I'm performing ceremonies for weddings and such. And I took a bit of a break from, well, so I, I played classical guitar. I took a bit of a break from it at one point, but now, you know, it's getting back into it, going over the rep, going over the technique again. And I'm finding, you know, once you, like after just taking that like mental break from it and just giving myself space from it, I mean, I've been able to come back to it with a much fresher perspective as opposed to like when I was in learning it in college, like, oh shit, this is something that I need to do. And I doing it because I need to do it versus, okay, well I'm doing this now because I want to do it. And I'm actually trying to make a career out of it. So, right. No, I hear you on there. Um, that's really cool, man. Uh, I have been working on, I had some midterms, so mm-hmm. there was a lot of like school related work. Um, Ugh. I, I did do some, um, some good work for like my, uh, man, not management. I'm sorry. My marketing class and my entrepreneurship class. Mm-hmm. Um, I did an elevator pitch. Elevator um, pitch. yeah, I did an, an elevator pitch is like a 30 second pitch that you give to someone, um, you know, to try and, uh, kind of like sway them to take you on or like hear more about your project. You know, it's like a very short, quick, like, yeah. this is me. This is my passion. And here's how I'm going to do it. Or, you know, it's kind of like the who, what, where, why almost. Um, so, and, so why is it called an elevator pitch? Um, just because the idea is that like, you know, you get on an elevator with someone that you are like, Oh my gosh, that's this person. You strike up a conversation, right? But usually elevator rides are pretty short. So by the time you actually get into like, hey, this is this, you know, oh, I'm sorry, who are you, right? Mm-hmm. You have 30 seconds, basically, just in case there is something coming up. You have about 30 seconds to get everything out there, and you know, and that way you're not talking and they're just walking off the elevator, right? Now, does the, these uh, 30 seconds keep in mind sometimes when elevators get stuck and then you're waiting for like the, the old janitor guy to come by? It's like, oh, this should happen again, you know, for him to break you out to 
pry the doors open so you can like awkwardly climb out from being like five foot down, hoping that the elevator doesn't continue to slide down while you're stuck in it. It actually does not have any kind of um, uh, fallback, like safety plan, I guess you could say on that front. So in Mm -hmm. that case, if that happens and you give your 30 second pitch and you've said everything there is to say, and then suddenly the elevator gets stuck, it's actually a very, very awkward situation. Um, So, you know, sometimes that can actually go the wrong way. Um, that's how what John like Ham. A- that's how John Ham actually missed out on getting the role for the Steve Jobs uh, biopic. Like, you really? know, it, yeah, he like he had a pretty good pitch, and then they got stuck in an elevator, and then it was just like the John the John Ham, uh, you know, uh, awkward hour. He and hammed he was it like, up. Yeah, but not in the right way. Not not in the good way. Yeah, no, no it was mean. like <laughs> so sports, huh? Football is coming up. Now, fuck you. Yeah, pretty much. So that's kind of what it was. Um, but yeah, no, so the, I gave my, my, my elevator pitch and, um, people really liked it. Um, Good. you know, we've been talking about like our projects or, you know, what it is that we want to do once we're yeah. out of college. Cause this is kind of like a senior level course. Um, and it's kind of like a, one of the like last two classes that you take before you exit the program to kind of get you in that mentality to kind of get you started. Yeah. And, uh, there were a lot of people who were like actually, interested in what it was that we were working on um and you know since we're still in like our building phase like i think that Mm -hmm. having some people who are interested kind of on that ground level is going to be a pretty pretty big thing i think i think it's going to be very important um i'm just kind of curious have you been like reading on anything like i know that you've been doing some research on things outside of like our research for this project i know you've been looking into other things and um like kind of having some ideas for projects, is there anything that like has kind of inspired you recently or any kind of new big ideas that you kind of see coming up? Well, so I guess one thing that's inspired me is so with, so I teach privately and I, at one of the stores that I teach at, there's one teacher that is very good at using like a lot of online resources, not only for scheduling, but also for, you know, expanding her lessons. So it gave me an idea for, um, it gave me an idea to provide a resource for not only um, reinforcing a lot of the basics with music and music education, but also providing a means to expand on other topics as well. You know, whether it's with basic music theory, whether it's going into like the history of certain things, whether it's just like bringing someone in the music field to come on and talk about what they do and relate it back to what we're already talking about. So, yeah. That's cool. That's cool, man. Yeah. I think that's, I think that'll be a good tool for people. Um, I've been, uh, you know, reading some more of that book that we talked about on week one called Sprint. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I do really like that book. I like the way it presents, um, like certain idea building exercises. Um, and I could actually foresee us as a group doing a sprint sometime once I'm out of college. Cause the idea is, you know, that you want to have a five day, you know, work week kind of thing scheduled for this sort of thing. And you all want to be in the same room. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this is something that when we, you know, when, once we're all graduated from college and, uh, are sitting down to like, you know, really hit the ground running on it, like this will be a, that'll be a yeah. good tool, I think, for, for kind of, um, creating certain prototypes and, yeah, and moving them forward. Um, not Certainly. so much for like, um, shows, but more of like for, 
uh, platforms and, you know, uh, websites, stuff like that, but like something that can, you know, help organize us even more, but just something that we don't necessarily have the time or resources for now. Um, mm-hmm. but that book is really cool. Um, I know I've kind of talked about it before already, but like Sprint, it's by Jack Knapp, K-N-A-P-P. Uh, it's a really cool book. Um, I really am enjoying it and it's kind of brought up some really cool, um, I keep saying really cool. I apologize. It keeps bringing up some awesome tips and uh, tools that I didn't really know were out there. Um, yeah. One of them, just kind of a quick side note, and like this is something that's so simple and mm-hmm. uh, just not even like a big thing, but like it was something that definitely made me go, that's awesome. I want to find that. And that is the fact that there's actually a paint out there called Idea Paint. Uh, it's like really? a, hmm. kind of like a lacquer, I guess, almost. I, I don't know yeah. how to describe it, but you paint it on your wall and it turns your wall into a whiteboard. Really? Oh, yeah. Shit. So like any wall. And they, <laughs> what I do love about it though is they said, like, do that like in a conference room and it's awesome. They said, but make sure that you do it on every wall because it, you know, there's nothing like, sorry, there's no bummer quite like when someone thinks that they're writing on the wall that they're allowed to write on and then they write on yep. the wrong one. Um, but like that, I think that's really cool because then it doesn't matter. You don't have to have just a board. It like your, the whole wall is your space, you know? Um, and you know I what think that reminds really cool. me of? Yeah. So in Portal 2, there was this mechanic where there were these different gels that you could put onto different surfaces for different effects. Like there was one where. I think it, it, there, so. There was blue, orange, and white. So with the blue, that would let you jump higher. With the orange, that would make you go faster. And then with the white, that would actually let you put portals down. Oh, and by the way, so I, uh, I guess as a tie-in, I don't know if this is appropriate time. Um, <laughs> we have a series on Portal. If you would mind checking that out, please. Yeah, that's please, true. Please we watch. do have a. Please watch. We do have. Um, I think uh, at this point, that's right. At the point of recording, two episodes of that have come out. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So there, there's have, two. We have like maybe four or five more, right? In the bin. Um, and that is Alex and uh, Graham Thompson. Graham playing those over. Speaking of ham, John Ham and Graham. <laughs> um, it's the Ham Hour. Um, so God, that's a joke that I feel like it's just going to keep coming back. Um, no, Very so that's cool. Graham Thompson and Alex Taylor playing that over on our YouTube. Uh, the Scavengers Network that is on a show that we do called Scavengers Play, where it's like let's plays of different uh, of you know various games, video video games. Really, all this time I thought it was let's plays of Scavengers. Yes, of course, of course, that's what you would. <laughs> okay, think. let's keep going. Let's keep. All going. right, let's keep it moving. <laughs> um, so um, we're now going to start moving into kind of like the people that we've researched for this week mm-hmm. um, to kind of talk about uh, this yeah. week. Alex was the one who kind of picked the the topic, the class, the the people. Um, so you want to talk about, you know, uh, what we're talking about here this week? Yeah. So uh, at least with my, so I looked into um, the founders of Groove Sharks. It was founded by um, Sam Tarantino, Josh Greenberg, and Andre Barreto. Um, and it was a web based music streaming service. Um, it sought to compete with like LimeWire and such, but it was still in that kind of shady middle like shady legal ground of like, is it legal? Is it not legal? Ultimately it wasn't legal, but we'll come to that. How about you call it? Um, so I talked about, uh, James J. Cider. I imagine is how you pronounce his name. Um, cause it's spelled like the word side. Yeah. And then you add an R. Um, 
Though it could be Sitter, I guess. Um, but, uh, so James J. Sider created a program called Bandpage. Um, and it's actually a really big thing. Um, it's something that, like, I have used in the past. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of like a cool thing when I saw that on the list. Um, so, uh, since you picked this week, you know, do you, who do you want to go first for, uh, this week's episode? Um, I'm thinking since I went, to, who went first last week? You went first last week. Then it's your turn. Okay. Um, so, uh, like I said just a few seconds ago, I had James, uh, Cider, who went by Jay Cider. Um, mm-hmm. to me, Jay Cider is one of the more, uh, important people on the Forbes list, um, for this year in regards to like how much his work affected others. Yeah. Um, there are some other really great acts like on the 2011 list, um, such as, you know, Mac Miller, Adele, Rihanna, Drake. Yeah. Bruno Mars, Wiz Khalifa, Skrillex, Esperanza Spalding, Lil Wayne, Ooh. Lady Gaga, and of course, Nicki Minaj. Hmm. Um, now, unfortunately, this list does also include Justin Bieber and Taylor Swift. Um, I can shut recognize that. Shut, yeah, sh- I can, shut down the podcast. Shut it down. Yep. Yeah. I think we should just shut down the list here. No, I, I recognize though that their teams did a good job of promoting them. It's just, yeah, yeah and like pushing them to a higher level, but whew, boy, howdy. I just, don't really Boy like Bowdy. those two people. Um, anyways, so Jay Sider, um, is one of the few people on the list, um, that was more known for a creation that serves a purpose within the music industry. Whereas you can see, like, we just had a long list there. Uh, mm-hmm. I already forgot what the number is, but I, I, I think it's like 10 or 11 people out of your 30 people yeah. are acts, like our performers. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they have like a whole team. Not that these other, creators don't have a team but you know what i'm saying um so like i said you know he has like a creation that serves a purpose within the music industry um now on this week i'm not really going to go into like an overall history of the person just because i want to make sure that like the amount of time that i do get to have i can spend talking about his contribution um which was the service band page well, um, you know you're on the clock, and you know, it, it's kind of like those game shoes. Well, those game shoes where you have like 30 seconds to say your piece, and then you're done. Yeah, and you have you-, you have your elevator pitch to say your piece, and yeah, then it's yeah. off so the elevator. Give me your elevator pitch. So, I, so let's set the scene. So we we don't know each other. We already don't know each other, but we don't know each other. We okay. we're at a hotel for some reason. We walk into the elevator, and then you turn to me without even knowing like what I'm about, and then you just start talk, and telling. And I go, me, "Hi, t- telling me your deal. I'm Jay Sider, and I created Bandpage, which is going to give you all the tools that you need as a musician to connect to your audience, sell your merch and your tickets without using middlemen." Uh, and get your, you know, material out there as well as give opportunities to have specific and special interactions with fans that they wouldn't normally get to get just by going through something such as Ticketmaster. Wait, you're the guy that makes the apple cider? No, I said I'm Jay Cider. <laughs> oh, 30 seconds. All right. See ya. Okay. Well, I mean, I just gave you pretty much all the big, big topics. So, um, yes, let's kind of, before we like kind of actually break down that 30 second thing there. I, I do need us to take one small step backwards. We're going to actually go backwards in time, not to Wait. the beginning of that 30 second pitch. We're going to, we're going to get in the DeLorean and we're going to take a step back and remember something that is going to make us both feel pretty old. We're going back to the times of MySpace. Um, oh, Jesus. I yeah, got to delete so, mine. Yeah. MySpace, I need to as well, I think, but MySpace, even at its, you know, peak performance, um, it like hails in comparison to, 
uh, you know, these social media monoliths like Facebook or even Twitter. Yeah. Uh, but the most important part, uh, at least to me, like as a musician from, from MySpace was like that band page functionality. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever like made one or used one, but it was actually a really nice oh, tool. Yeah, yeah. Um, even when like, like you could I put was songs in, up, you could like design, I mean, with MySpace, like it was very good at like with custom, very custom basic all. coding. Yeah. And like customization. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then, then you, you could set like a song the, for your autoplay. So when someone lo- uh, logged onto your MySpace, it automatically started playing something at like, you know, ear breaking volumes and you're like, shit, shit, shit. No, stop. Turn off, turn off, turn off. Oh, it'd always bad. be like the it'd, it'd be like I mean us being in like middle school, middle school, high school. It'd always be like the worst songs. It's like yeah, you'd get a look from a friend. It's like, what, what, what are you listening to? It's like, well, I didn't try to listen to this. You're like, I'm sorry, I'm just on my crush's MySpace page. Leave me alone, <laughs> Deborah. God. Anyway, um, you, you so, call your mom by your first name? No, that was the the friend that I was just talking to. Because oh, okay. everyone knows a Deborah. That's just like, come on. Anyway, God uh, damn it, Deborah. <laughs> Uh, even after, you know, switching, uh, almost everything over to Facebook though, like for myself, mm-hmm. right? They, they still didn't have like a music player functionality and they kind of really still don't. Um, but there was really no ability to make like a page for a company or a band or anything like that back when it first yeah. started. Um, mm-hmm. I knew a lot of people who like made Facebook accounts for bands and stuff like that. And it was just, it was bad. It was, it looked terrible. Um, but, um, when it first came out, like I stopped using MySpace, but I kept using the MySpace music service, um, for yeah. my first band, uh, the Roctagon, which was a great name for a ska band that has eight people in it. Um, so, uh, the band page though was kind of like the game changer for this, right? Band page is the, the program that my guy, James, uh, sorry, Jay Sider created. Band page was like an app that allowed musicians to, uh, make like basically like a Facebook page where they could give things like tour dates or photos or, you know, kind of just any kind of promotional material. Um, and the company in 2011 raised about, $18 million on top of like some other, you know, kind of, uh, side capital adventures. Um, yeah. I think the grand total was 23 million, if I'm not mistaken, to grow their services and like create like this big program. Um, yeah. it had at one point over 500,000 musicians in their user base, which is pretty, pretty huge. Like it had people like Rihanna and in, in it. And like uh, the only reason why I mentioned Rihanna is because she's also on this 2011, uh, this 2011 class. So I think that's kind of a interesting little connection there. Um, but it created this like opportunity to connect with fans in like a different way. So this is kind of something kind of going back to my 32nd pitch. Um, it gave you a, a way to sell tickets and merch directly to fans. And it, you know, of course they did still take a fee from each sale, but you know, it had less middlemen uh, involved than it, then like, you know, when you had a website and then, um, a creator and then a, a storefront. And you know I mean, so it's like, it just, it took away a lot of those middlemen. Yeah. And so like your overall, your fees were smaller. And I think that was definitely a big benefit, whether it was for big performers or even small performers. Mm-hmm. Um, and selling tickets like alone, I think is probably the biggest takeaway because live nation and Ticketmaster have like this almost like authoritarian grip on that market. Um, and, you know, like things like service fees, um, have spiked dramatically over the years. Um, and like they now give certain fees from that, like to performers. But like when bands, 
can you use something like this? Like they get to like, you know, like the touring industry is a multi-billion dollar industry yearly. So uh, yeah. for like band page to kind of dip into that territory, I think is a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and like to dip in it and like make a difference too. Um, yeah. but that is like where we are in 2011, which is when he got the award. Right. So mm-hmm. the service is huge. It's making waves. Um, and I don't think it's really, like surprising that he is the founder CEO of the company was named a Forbes 30 under 30. Um, and like based off of like last week, we'd normally stop there. Mm-hmm. Um, but Alex, can I give you just like a little bit more before I have to like give up my time here? Well, I mean, we're getting closer to my floor, so you got to make it quick. Okay. So here's the thing. Things started to go downhill like, almost like immediately after this award though, right? <laughs> yeah. I think that's kind of like, I'm not, I don't want to be mean, but like, I do think it's like kind of funny. It's like, thanks. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, pretty much. So like Facebook introduced the timeline um, like feature, right? It yeah. used to be the wall function and like I still call it like posting on someone's wall but like now it became like a timeline function and it completely changed the layout timeline removed the ability for a band to set like what tab people land on when they mm. went to a band's page I so remember when pe- that. and which is kind of funny because we're talking about band page and yeah. bands pages but like yeah. the thing is that you could set it so that when someone logged in to like you know, to, or clicked over to your Facebook, right? And, you know, to your Facebook page, mm-hmm. you could go to your band page and you had everything like that, right? So in two months, within two months of timeline launching, band page lost over 90% of its traffic. Oh, God. Alex, I'm talking over 90%. 90%. Jesus. Like 90%. That's huge. That is so, wow. Yeah. So band page kind of like bounced back a little bit. Um, Jay Sider started, uh, sorry, uh, talked to the company TechCrunch, which is interesting. We talked about that last week too. Yeah, um, at, uh, at one point and he said, quote, look, we didn't get the investment we did or the growth we did if we were just a Facebook app. There has always been a bigger picture. Timeline obviously changed things, but it hasn't, sorry, it was nothing we can't handle. Um, so that was fairly true. They were like powering other platforms like Pandora, WordPress. Um, and then they started creating solid connections for people through things like Spotify and YouTube and some other kind of like bigger services at the time. Yeah. There was also some really cool connectivity going on there. Um, like we talked about in my 30 second pitch. Um, so what you could have is there was a 50, so like here's just two quick examples, right? Yeah. There was a $50, um, like donation kind of like thing that you could do to like this one indie band. I think it was in Philadelphia, if I'm not mistaken, where you could get to go play a game of like bowling with them. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could spend $2,500, but you would get to Skype call with Ozzy Osbourne's guitar player. That's fair. Yeah, so it's kind of like a Kickstarter, right? But it's more immediate. So it's just like, it's not like a fan subscription service, but it is like a, you can just buy like a odd, it's like not really merchandise. You're almost like selling an experience, really. You know what I mean? And I think that that's like a big game changer. Go ahead. You know, I had a joke. Like I... Kind of like John Ham's Ham Hour, yes. Well, so well, so kind of like um, I guess I guess referring to one of our um, um, idol podcasts, Mabim Bam, they made a joke about um, Alf and his a joke about him eating cats really good. And Travis said <laughs> that, well, no, I'm not going to finish that joke. And Justin said, well, you you parked the car outside of the house. You can't argue that you didn't 
you weren't there. So, but, but in this case, it's like, I didn't even park in the driveway. Like I parked like across the neighborhood and I'm like, well, shit, I don't know if I should go there. It's more like you pulled into the cul-de-sac, saw the house, but everyone, like, oh, at the bar- but the thing is everyone at the barbecue saw you pull like, uh, like a, a Yui in the cul-de-sac and just leave. And everyone was like, that's weird. Why did he just leave? Yes. Um, but that's okay because sadly, this is kind of where we come to the end. Um, it really, I mean, we're at my floor. I mean, you got like, yeah. So like, I'll, I'll kind of give you like the ending here, right? It really mm-hmm. didn't work out so hot. Um, the service is like, it's like defunct on Facebook, right? So like, you can't use the, the program on Facebook anymore. And like, it's still out there. Um, mm-hmm. Like, as a thing, it was just recently bought out by YouTube for $8 million, which, wow. like, I know sounds like a lot, but, like, considering how much they were worth earlier, yeah. like, a couple of years back, this is more like a liquidation sale, like, everything must go, you know? Um, yeah. So, that means I think there's kind of possibility for some wild change within that company, especially mm-hmm. because Google and YouTube are kind of... Uh, drastic companies, I guess is the best way of saying it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they're kind of sustained right now. I don't really see any major growth as of right now, but like if you combine this with the new service from YouTube, right? The YouTube Red, I do mm-hmm. think that you're going to probably find a service that can become big again just because it, it could make, um, it, it could actually make like YouTube a viable source of income for musicians for the first time ever. Cause YouTube is very bad with that. Like it has a terrible history of paying musicians like the proper amounts and stuff like that. I do think it's like, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, actually just recently they've been, I, I guess they incorporated a new system that is now demonetizing a lot of YouTubers. Like yes. take, like demonetizing a lot of the videos and you have to set it so that everything gets manually reviewed. Yes, it's it's a major bummer and like sometimes it can be really shitty because like you also then don't get the monetization that you lost out on during the review process. And yeah. like the thing is that like for some of these like for content creators that's like that's a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Um for musicians I think honestly in a way it's kind of even bigger because not only do they not generally do they not make the same amount as like a content creator would, they're also getting paid less for like, you know, if people are uploading their songs illegally right and that, yeah. that's the thing is that like you know let's say you are let's go back to ozzy osbourne right let's say someone yeah. puts up one of your songs you can go in and have them remove every single one of them but the thing is that someone by the next day is going to have it back up on youtube so yeah. like youtube has this awful safe harbor rule which is like well we can't be like you know we're just like a service which is kind of like they kind of learn from the mistakes of napster and other shady places which might be something that you talk about in a second here Possibly. um but, you know, like, Safe Harbor kind of gives them this ability to be kind of, like, above it all and, like, be safe from these these choices that other people have. And then they say, well, maybe you can just claim the monetization, but it's still, like, nothing. It's, like, pennies on the dollar. So, you yeah. know, they, they are getting, you know, pretty crappy into the deal. But, like, the combination of YouTube Red because, like, they have, like, a specific music service. Yeah. And I, I think that that's something that could potentially compete with something like Spotify or Pandora. I do think Pandora's probably the person who's going to be the most in trouble um at this point like pandora i don't think is really doing so hot um but i do think it's still kind of early too early to tell um i don't know i mean it with the functionality that i, I guess we're getting to a different podcast here but like i guess between pod i mean between podcast and podcast between um spotify and pandora like i mean spotify really offers everything that pandora has maybe it doesn't have the, their music genome 
like shtick, but it like it's still I mean at face value that like it is pan it does have the radio functionality Pandora and then you can also listen to your own shit too. So Yeah, I that was I was gonna say like that's the thing is like I think Spotify before YouTube Red and the, before this like YouTube like music program, I think mm-hmm. Spotify has definitely kind of put Pandora in like a shitty spot because Pandora is you know, technically free, you now can pay for like an ad free version, but like, you know, the subscriptions on that are, you know, way less than there are on Spotify. Spotify yeah. does have that radio functionality, but like, if I want to just go out and listen to an album from start to finish, I can do that. I don't have to listen to like 20 songs in between each song, you know, and have and to like thumbs down and say, that's not related. Too. That's not related. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So like basically the whole ending though of my presentation is just that like, Kind of like I said, it's a little too early to tell, I think, honestly. But, like, I do think that because of the other functionalities that, you know, Bandpage can bring, it could potentially save both of the services. But, uh, honestly, for now, it's just kind of like it's barely living above flatlining. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, certainly. Uh, so, you know, what about you, though? Why don't you... Okay, hang on. Let's set the scene here, right? Uh, you and I uh-oh. have never met, Alex. Wait, right. we haven't? Why are we no, on a podcast? Never met. We're in a hotel. Um, we're in a hotel? And, yeah, we're in a hotel lobby. Okay, what, and, kind of, what, what, kind, what color are the, what color are the floors? What color, uh, is it it's carpet like that, or is it like a hardwood floor? No, it's it's kind of like that weird half and half. So, like, there's, like, the, the tile flooring on the sides, but there's that, like, kind of runway of, of carpeting that has, like, the gold banister around it to kind of keep it down on the ground. It's like, oh, okay. it's like that really nice, but, like, not too nice you know it's like we're like at like a 4.5 star hotel right well so when you said half and half i was thinking that you meant it would be like it, it would be a tile of four but then it would be tiled in that like say like so say if you have a cube square you set break into four separate functions the you have one top left two top right are you gonna park the car here what are you what are you doing well, I, I, I'm explaining this visually, so I, I had a joke, and I'm explaining it visually. You're shitting all over it, Parker. This is all. This is all audio. This is not. This is not audio. Friendly. I know that's why I'm explaining it, to, so, to have, <laughs> so people can actually see it in their mind's eyes. So, okay, so you have a cube. Well, so a square breaking into four parts. One and two are on the top. Three and four on the bottom. I was thinking that it, it, like the half and half would be like one and four would be like marble, and um, two and three would be like carpet, and that 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 was funny to me so it's like a checkerboard so, it's like yeah, a checkerboard a, but or like yeah, it's a checkerboard of marble and carpet <laughs> yeah god that sounds terrible um you'd be like slipping and then stopping like static even sliding oh it's bad um so, so yeah, how no, am i doing with buying time by the way <laughs> not great um so we're you know we are waiting for the elevator luckily it is like a 30 story building so that mm-hmm. did kind of buy you some time for yeah. it to come from the 28th floor all the way down um and all of a sudden you're like oh shit this is the guy that i actually like i've been dying to get a chance to meet to talk to him about my program groove shark right is that what it's called and i, and I had I, I just had a sudden bout of amnesia so i don't remember anything so now i need to like spark notes it right exactly you're like oh god oh god <laughs> well uh, what was the pitch i just practiced this for my mom yesterday um you know, and it's like you're you're getting nervous. You've just dropped. Oh God, you dropped your Coke, your Coke Zero sugar all over the floor. It's everywhere. It's Not on zero the carpet. Sugar. Yeah. Oh no, it's on the carpet, and now it somehow has seeped out of the carpet onto the tile floor. Alex, what are you going to do? I am. What, what is this like a choose your adventure thing? 
Yeah, roll initiative. This is Dungeons and Dragons uh, now. Wait, well, let me let me go to. Uh, let me find it. No, it's too late. Okay, die you got to give your pitch. No, no, no. I'm, I'm rolling it. No, no. We 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 set the joke. Um, random die roller. <laughs> We're doing this live. Random.org dice roller. Okay, so I rolled so one virtual dice. Um, I got snake eyes. I will send you the picture right now. I literally got snake eyes. You're rolling well, a d20 and you got snake eyes? Well, it was more of like I rolled a one and I got a one. So that's like even okay. worse. Oh, yeah. So what happens? Uh, there you go. What happens, Mr. DM? Uh, I think that you just lost your chance at being able to present. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to pass on your company. So right, well, let's well, move on to the lessons we learned. Yeah. All right. So go ahead. Give me your uh, 30 second pitch. Okay, so, well, because it, it, at this point, Groove Shark already failed, and it, I don't know if it's the 30 second pitch thing is really appropriate. It's more of like, hey, so here's this thing that I learned about that failed. Wait, sorry, it failed before 2011 when they won the award? Well, no, it did, but it was always in kind of murky legal water, so it. it so, like, it, it tried- failed, like, shortly after, kind of like Man well, Page did? So, in 2011, um. Sam Tarantino and Josh Greenberg got onto the Forbes 30 under 30 list for Groove Shark. In 2015, it shut down because they were being sued by major labels because mm. they weren't being paid loyalty, being paid royalties, and, right. and they didn't secure the proper licenses for their music. Yeah, you know, um, we actually talked about this sort of not you specifically, but like uh, we talked about this and another service that was similar to it from like the mm-hmm. early 2000s yeah. in my legal issues class. And like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, file sharing stuff is just, it's like extremely shady and like, you know, the, uh, different people try different things, but in the end, like it always comes down to like, no, it's, it's just, it's not legal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so tell me kind of like, I guess how it failed. I'll tell you what, I'll be, I'll be generous. I'll see that you spilled your Coke Zero and say, do you want to take a second? Will you help me wipe it off the floor, sir? Yeah. And I'll say like, let's step over to the hotel lobby restaurant and just kind of have like a burger real quick. And, you know, we'll just kind of talk about what happened. Can you buy me like an actual Coke Zero, not like the zero sugar nonsense? You know, I'll oh, buy myself, you know, I, I, I just met Coke you. Zero. But okay, yeah, yeah, we just met. I'm not gonna buy you. Food. Well, I mean, Coke Zero, not Zero, not um, Zero, whatever I said. Coke, I miss Coke Zero. Anyway, um, <laughs> so with Groove Shark, the business model was it, it took along a lot of like those peer to peer network things where like you would upload something and someone would download. You know, a lot of like yeah. the early like I guess well illegal music sharing. Everybody says they didn't do it, but yeah, um, like Napster and LiveWire and stuff like that. Yeah, or like um, MicroTorrent, BitTorrent, whatever. Um, right. So Groove Shark was founded um, in 2006 by um, Andre Barreto, Josh Greenberg, and Sam Tarantino, um, and, and they were at the University of Florida. Um, so it looked to take this same model of peer-to-peer um, networking and sharing, but then put like kind of a legal spin on it. Okay. So, so it paid its users who uploaded a song. Well, so the users would upload their own songs, but I found some other information that said the actual employees would be uploading songs. So there was a bit of discrepancy there. Um, but then the people, the people who uploaded the song would be paid. Um, Groove Shark would get a portion of the payment. And then I think the label would also get a portion of the payment too. And they did a lot of work with smaller labels, I think with Sun Records, I think. And like that, 
that worked fine, but then they also started getting into bigger label territory, and that's where a lot of the problems came from. Okay. Like, they, like, they, so, they worked with EMI at one point, but apparently they didn't provide any, like, financial statements to EMI, even though, like, EMI's songs were still being shared. You know? Okay. So it's kind of like that we're going to work with you, but then you're not giving us the information that we need. Right, we're not going to give you everything. Yeah. Okay. Or even anything. So then, um, so Universal, Sony, and Warners were the ones that ended up suing Groove Shark into Oblivion. Okay. Um, let's see. So I guess going into some of its features, um, okay. it's, so this, so it streamed over 1 billion sound files a month, contained over Ooh. 15 million songs, had over Jeez. 20 million users. Now, there was the free service, and there was also a paid service. So on top of, you know, people sharing their own songs and not having the licenses, now you're charging people to use your service when you're not, when you can't legally sell the thing that you're selling. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So that's kind of a problem. Yeah. Yes, you're the problem. Okay. Technical difficulties as Technical Graham difficulties? Thompson just jumped into our podcast. Well, he wouldn't be able to hear us anyway. Yeah, he oh no, but like it's now it's it you can hear us talking to him. And he's just kinda not here. In- introducing Graham Thompson. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> well if you want to if you want to start recording, we can have you on as a special guest. Sorry, I unmuted you. Okay, okay, you can jump on with us a little later if you want. You're fine. Okay. You're fine. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> that was new. <laughs> what happened there? Um, okay, so um, so I, I I guess going back to what I had said, so they were charging. Well, so they had the free service, and they had so you could like build a playlist, you could upload songs, um, and there was like some social networking aspect of it. But then okay. people, but then pe- they were also they also had a premium aspect. So they were charging people to. I oh, I don't know what the premium features were, but they were charging people to use a service in which a part of their service were using stolen goods. Ooh. Yes. And it, I mean, with working with the smaller, I mean, not to, that's not to say that everything was stolen. Cause like with the smaller labels, like it seems, I mean, it, with, with what I had read, like they, there was a lot of success to that actually. So I was looking into some, um, documents about why it failed. And so this is from, who is this from? Um, this is from the Inc. website, INC. So they talked about a couple, talked to a couple experts on, um, why Groove Shark failed and what they could have done to make it better. I think this is actually before it failed, but yeah. So, so Mr. Michael McGuire, the vice president of research at Gartner Research. So he had said, so you need to find a way to make everybody happy. Um, one thing that Groove Shark shares or shared with the labels and publishers and the artists is that all those parties want to see revenue. And he thinks that, although in this case it should have been, he thinks that Groove Shark should have, um, build an infrastructure that would allow it to work directly with the rights holders, more of a straight up licensing, licensing kind of model. Um, 
Mr. Mitch Stoltz, the staff attorney for the Electronic Frontier Foundation, um, he had said that these copyright cases depend on public perception. Um, da, da, da. That's not even like remotely I'm gonna skip that. accurate. Yeah. That's like not um, even, yeah. Well, but so hang on, so real quick. Your, let me, can yeah. I ask you a quick question? Do you think that like no. the first guy, I forgot his name already, but the first guy, his like idea about doing like the licensing, do you think mm-hmm. that that's kind of like the 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 first idea or inklings of like a a, a, a service similar to Spotify? Because I think that like Spotify came out probably shortly after. Yeah. So actually, Spotify was a major competitor to GrooveShark Groove because it basically enabled you to do the same thing. You could build playlists. You could play songs. However, with Spotify, you can't upload your own songs. It's dependent right. on what other people have uploaded, which I think, you know, I think it's that's good because that does guarantee that the money's going to the right people. You know what I mean? Because like, you, you can't. That? Sorry, that's a, that's a good thing because I think that that means that the money's going to the right people. Like, I can't yeah. go upload a Real Big Fish song and then take in the money for the real, no, like, only Real Big Fish and, like, their company and stuff that can add their music in so that they get that revenue. Yeah. And it, I mean, when you avoid the people actually, I mean, people are assholes and if they can find a way to mess something up, they're going to mess it up. So, like, it, if you can take away the user aspect of, hey, let me see what I can throw into this, then you'll save yourself a lot of grief. Right. So, um, so this other, this last person, um, this, Mr. Umgarov Mather, he suggested, so find a plan B. Um, so by the time this was written, um, one of the founders of Groove Shark, um, I think that was Josh Greenberg, um, had passed away. Yeah. So, um, Josh Greenberg, he had passed away, um, in 2015, um, around the time a lot of these legal issues started happening. So Mr. Mather, um, a partner at Silicon Legal Strategy suggested that Tarantino needed to find an alternative strategy. So a simple way to move forward, quote unquote, would be to be for Groove Shark to pivot a little bit, change its focus to smaller labels that it can get rights from easily. If they just kind of dig in, do what they've been doing, then, you know, they would, they would benefit them. Hey everyone, this is Colin and Alex. We're going to take a very small break here from everything that we have been talking about to present to you guys our high moms. Our, uh, you know, every time someone gets on TV for the first time, one of the first things they do is scream out hi mom. So we're going to give hi, our mom. shout outs. <laughs> there you yes. go. So we're going to give our shout outs portion. Um, who are we talking about this week, Alex? Who are we talking about this week, Alex? Well, today I'm talking about Culture Shock. Culture Shock is a show, is a series of interviews, reviews, and uh, other use by the Scavengers <laughs> Network. And um, this week, our, our Michael Palmer is looking at, what is it, Roller Coaster Tycoon? Uh, no, uh, c- uh, Planet Coaster. Planet Coaster. He's looking at a game called Planet Coaster, giving a very in-depth review of it, why he likes it, why he likes these kind of games, and why you should buy them. Support <laughs> the industry. Support it. Um, and so uh, this week, I'm here to talk to you about a show that is done by our friends. Um, you can find them on Twitter at YaPat and Jetpack Bragan. Um, they are two artists who do a, um, a, a show that's streamed on Twitch, uh, that is just the two of them drawing, uh, like, you know, 
making art basically and um you know talking and kind of, it's kind of like a podcast like pseudo podcast slash live stream um and yeah. they draw either commissions that they're working on or maybe they have a challenge that they've decided to come up with for that day like they once did an episode oh, cool. where they drew nothing but McElroy um like monster factory sorry characters oh, they just yeah. do nothing but monster yeah. factory characters and that was a, that was a, a good really episode. good episode um and so that show is called the doodle cast and you can find them on both twitter and twitch um at whatever those two websites are right slash um or backslash rather um uh, doodle cast show uh once you again know, so that would be twitter.com twitter.com slash doodle cast show or twitch.tv slash doodle cast show yes alex so the reason why I so rudely interrupt you is, you know, I wonder why there's like a sl- both a forward slash and a backslash. Why not just have uh, a slash? Uh, I part of it is actually because of the way like coding goes in computers and how it finds files. Oh, okay. And the, the other one, know. sorry, actually, and um, uh, there's it's actually both of them are for coding. Actually, now that I think about it, they're oh. they're both part of uh, the way you code stuff. So there you go. The more you know. All right, can we uh, get that theme song playing again? Here we go. Exiting Woo-hoo! out. We'll see you guys on the other side. Well, that was quite a journey, sir. It was. So, Alex, uh, let's talk about what we learned this week and what we think we can apply to either our personal uh, journeys or the journey of the Scavengers Network. Well, I'd say from what I learned from Groove Shark is don't deal in things you don't have rights to absolutely (laughs) yeah um copyright law is a lot stricter than people actually think it is you know yeah um because it's this strict um there is a lot of uh a lot of um precedent as well set forward that people i don't think are really aware of we've actually now talked about copyright two weeks in a row man we're starting to have some themes here alex i think this is good um people are going to start getting familiar but not too familiar um but and, not too not familiar? Yes, exactly. Um, it's a so, new yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, good girls. Um, do you want to talk about other things that we've learned? Yes. Um, so another thing that I think is interesting hey, is that something that I've also learned from both of our presentations here is that mm-hmm. um, there's two things. One, the 30 second pitch is actually pretty efficient, I think, for everyone. Um, yeah, unless you spill your, it. yeah, and st- unless you start, um, spilling your Coke Zero sugar all over the floor. Um, the well, other who thing, got me the Coke Zero sugar? I, it I, I like, don't know. Well, if you but listen to the, the Polygon thing. show, they talked about this a lot where, like, it leaves, like, this weird kind of, like, residue thing on I your love it, though. Teeth. I prefer Why? this over Coke what? Zero. What? Because I like normal Coke, and I gave up sugar, and so this makes me feel like I'm drinking Coke without giving up, you know, my soda. It's like but a way it, I can cheat the system. I can still have my Coke and still give up sugar, even though Colin, I'm sure everything that's in any kind of soda, sugar or no, is just junk and bad for you. Colin. Yes, Alex. I Why? Think, I, think we, I, I think we just found the thing that we can, you know, we could separate things into separate camps and then your team zero. Yeah, I think Coke so too. Zero, Coke zero. Anyway. Um, uh, no, but here was the other thing though, was that like, uh, that I noticed was that, um, even if you are named a Forbes 30 under 30, right? You can have something really big and it can still be like, it still doesn't have to be 
a permanent structure, right? Like, you know, these are people who had success at the time of 2011, and it's like, man, look at these huge innovations. But innovations, well, I don't, well, yeah, <laughs> a little bit, but also sometimes that 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 innovation can be affected by other people's innovations. Yeah. Um, like the 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 honestly, like the the whole Facebook thing. I think Facebook really probably could have be. I think what would have been almost smarter is if Facebook had taken over band page, like, or bought them out the way that they did with like Instagram. Right. But like, mm-hmm. then they could have had band page be a part of like, they could combine forces. You know what I mean? But instead they were like, no, we're going to make our own thing. Um, and they still don't really let you put music out there. So that's kind of lame. But the whole thing that I'm getting at though, is that like these innovations can easily become defunct or outdated just from one other person doing something else. One competitor can knock you out of the race extremely quickly. That's um, very true. But also, even if oh, something we talked about talked about before was taking something that worked and ran with running with it, it's like with Instagram, where like they were initially geared towards more like coffee shops and stuff, but right. then they took the photo aspect of it and then they just ran with it. Like um, something I did mention. So with Groove Shark, so with Mr. Sam Tarantino, he eventually um, broke away from the music sharing like model and then uh, found it i think it's chromatic.fm so it, it gives um podcasters and other content creators like a vehicle for um let me actually look this up before yeah, i, I talk myself into a corner yeah so it's so it's a so it's a radio service it's so you can be a listener you can be a broadcaster um so get, getting into, so taking, I guess, that same kind of drive and I guess, I don't want to say basic template, but still dealing in the same field of sound and arts and get, enabling listeners to get to, well, enabling producers to get to um, listeners and enabling listeners to find, you know, who they want to listen to next. Right. I, that's a, that's a good service too. I mean, like, you know, part of the thing that we are doing as the scavengers network, like one of the things that we pivoted towards was mm-hmm. finding a way to help get artists and creators of like creative content or like yeah. artists of, you know, that don't make content. I know that sounds very strange, but I mean like someone who just, you know, makes music, but doesn't, uh, create a show about it kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. so anyway, my point though is that you know, we're trying to help get out some more visibility. Um, mm-hmm. you know, real quick, if I can, um, I can give you basically, uh, uh, if you give me like five seconds, I could actually give you my 30 second pitch for our company. Sure. Um, so give me one second. Let me grab my notebook. Hang on one, one second. Two. Okay. It's going to be more than one second. You know that. Three. Well, I guess it's now Alex filler time. Now we are going to watch Colin frantically search through his room for notebook. Sounds like he found it. Did he find it? Only time will tell. I did. Um, now here's the other thing is I'm also going to present to you the line that I added in kind of almost last minute based off of like the lessons that I learned from other people's presentations. Yeah. So like some, like I realized that my assumption was that like, you know, when you're giving this, obviously you've already introduced yourself, but like, Uh what if it is literally like a, you know, almost like a elevator pitch assembly line Yeah. where someone comes in, you have 30 seconds to say your thing and then you have to walk out. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the way we were handling it. Cool. But a lot of people didn't say their name. Um, and also people were saying they liked when people were a little bit more personal, personable, like 
had some way of like connecting with the folks in the room and not just like in the way of like, here's something that I do. It's like, um, hey, I like, like your pants. Here's my business. Kind of. So th- basically the, the very first line that I added in, and I'll give you that before I actually do the pitch, which was like, mm-hmm. hi, uh, my name is Colin Parker and I'm going to be brutally honest, like upfront with you. And that is that I have an obsession with, um, absorbing as much creative content as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Right. And so nice like the, the thing is that like a lot of people are like, yeah, yeah, no, I like that. Cause like people are like, yeah, I do the same thing. Right. So then here's the rest of the pitch. I said, um, but the problem is there's so much noise on sites like YouTube that it can feel impossible to be discovered or to find something new that you like. Yeah. The scavengers network fixes that with real life people showcasing real life talent. Our mission is to bring forward new artists of music, art, games, food, and more through podcasts and videos, all while maintaining our sense of fun in everything that we do. The late night rabbit hole search leads to finding the next best thing. The Scavengers Network is the community of creators that will be the only rabbit hole you'll ever need. Nice. And yeah, and people really like that. Now, granted, I want to give a quick shout out, Meg Hiltz, um, my girlfriend and also someone that's in our company, uh, helped me on that brainstorm. She came up with the whole, like, late night search rabbit hole thing and people really loved that line. I was told to kind of hold on to that line specifically. Like, not that the other stuff wasn't good, but they were like, that line in particular is something that like everyone experiences that and everyone talks about like, how did I end up yeah. on this Wikipedia rabbit hole like at three in the morning, right? Everyone knows yeah. that feeling. And so like, that was like yes. a really good, line and i really do think that that was a really good line and pitch like people remember who we are and stuff like that after that um that's the thing is like just like these people like they then pivoted into doing something else right we kind of did that even early like like early in our career but we did um and i think that that's i mean like starting as a band and then maybe realizing that hey maybe we don't like scheduling people who don't want to play their instruments and then going into yeah (laughs) yep um basically um so uh, anyway though like you know we we originally the started the the channel as like a way to do kind of some hobby like stuff and then all of a sudden it was like hey we actually could have a platform here and we actually could do some stuff with this so let's hit the ground yeah. running and like let's 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 actually make something out of this that's not a hobby um and that's how we got to be where we are today um i think that we've learned a lot of lessons which is that like you know you take the bad and like you learn from it uh, and also, yeah. don't deal in shady shit. Um, yeah, and I think that's something legal we can all learn from. Uh, yeah, Certainly. exactly. Um, <sighs> so, uh, what are, what are you going to work on this week, uh, or the next couple of weeks, rather, in between now and when we do the next episode? Well, for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to continue to develop my repertoire. I'm going to continue to work on various drafts and continue to research various mixing techniques. I'm also going to finally finish um, editing those videos. I, I keep saying I'm going to edit so then we can actually <laughs> get some stuff out. And um, how about you, Colin? Uh, I'm going to continue to work on um, some like marketing stuff, um, not just for us, but like the the stuff that I'm working on in my marketing class is related to us and myself okay. and this project that we're doing right now. Um, but you Great. know, I'm going to continue to work on that stuff because that is like a week to week thing. Um, but I think that's cool because I'm kind of killing multiple birds with one stone. Um, Why would you con- do that? Uh, just because you know it's it's a sport. Why? Um, 
So Colin. I'm also going to continue to read, um, you know, books like Sprint. Uh, I also have, um, Made to Stick, which is another book that's been, uh, suggested to me. Um, you Made to Stick? And, uh, also, what's the other book that was suggested to me? Uh, My Personal MBA. Um, uh, yes, Alex, I am ignoring that bad joke that you just made. Yes, I um, That was a bad joke and you should feel bad for it. Um, I don't. But yeah, no, I'm going to continue to do that. We're going to continue to come up with some stuff. We are talking about other podcasts that we uh, would like to create, whether it is like, you know, us being on them or like friends of ours that we want to see make some stuff. And also yes. we're talking about finding other people to bring on board. Um, you know, like the scavengers network has grown, um, pretty, pretty big, honestly. I mean, like, if you look at it, cause, uh, when we first started off, we had five people and now we're up to 12 people. So we've more yeah. than doubled. Um, you know, within our first year. So I'm, I'm looking yeah. forward to continuing to grow Me the too. network, like literally networking within our network. Um, well, I mean, like we can only have so much podcast juice in us, you know? Like, yeah. Oh, I totally agree. The, yeah. We got to spread out the, we got to spread out that juice. Um, but I think that's a pretty good spot to leave it on. What do you think, Alex? Uh, I think I could go for another half hour actually. Oh, great. Well, why don't you still, uh, help us exit out here? <laughs> All right. So, um, I think that's a pretty good spot to leave it. I just said that. I just said that. <laughs> uh, also, uh, please be sure to check out our other shows here on the Scavengers Network, such as Culture Shock, um, our news review and interview show about the arts world. Uh, and you can find uh, those videos on our YouTube channel, the Scavengers Network, and you can find me personally on Twitter at Colin M. Parker. You can also find me on Twitter, too. Are you going to give them the handle? No, I figured they'd just keep looking for a different Alex Taylor. Taylor's will eventually find me. I'm one with the same icon as Colin, except you know, different. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, thanks, everyone, for joining us here on Journey Under 30. Once again, I'm Colin Parker. And I'm Alex Taylor. I'll see you on the Forbes listings, my friend. And I will see you in my dreams. Yeah.